What are you listening to? You don't know that the guy's just put I know that. No, this is one that I know. Tom Brady's bordering now on Godlike. You gotta put the bourbon down and go to a doctor. He's... All right, listen up, y'all. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Bump and Run. I'm Pete Colisano, joined as always by my respectful friend Scott Bracy. What's going on, dude? Good afternoon, bud. R e s p e c t. I'm doing so good. The weather has finally. You got, you, got, you got to see the number in there. See the number in there. Two. Yeah, the captain. The captain. Uh, the weather has finally broken. It looks like spring is finally upon us. Winter did give us a run for its money. Like it didn't feel like giving up there, did it? Well, I just put my shovel and salt away like last week. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's really unbelievable. Like I thought we beat it last week, and then we got a couple shitty day, you know, cooler days. They're not shitty but, days, but you know, cooler for, days. For about the tenth year in a row, though, we've gone from winter to summer. Direct. Yeah, directly. For, there's no spring. We just skip spring. It's unbelievable. So, um, but anyway, why don't, why don't we get right into this? We got some bad news to uh, report, discuss. Ray Liotta, 67 years old, megastar, multiple hit movies, has passed away. I didn't realize he was only 67 years old, and that is very young. Apparently, he was on the set of a movie down in Dominican Republic and just... Passed in sleep, man. So kind of sad news to hear. Wasn't expecting to see that one come down the pipe. So we say hey to Ray. He was on Dan Patrick a couple weeks ago. He looked terrible. You know, somebody, uh, was I think I was playing poker with someone recently. And they were like, oh, man, a couple years ago I ran into, you know, I'm I'm playing poker in Detroit. And who sits next to me? Ray Liotta. And he's like, everybody's talking to him. And he's just like, hey, how's it going? And he says, I just left them alone. I think because I left him alone, he started talking to me, and we had nice. He said, "But boy, did he look old!" And I just wonder if, like, you know, all the fame and fortune led him to live a pretty hard life. Like, well, we'll say fun, but it, you know, it's it's not easy keeping up that pace. And right, you wonder. So, if you had to pick what, but your favorite Ray Liotta movie, there's there's a handful that are that are well known. Probably there's like two or three that are like right on top of the list. I'm having a hard time. What what would be your favorite? Well, Shoeless Joe, Feel the Dreams. Um, I forgot the character's name, but he was excellent in Copland. Yeah. He's the um, kind of actor that, like, when he's on the screen, you can't help but, like, zero in on him. You know what I mean? Like, you just lock yeah. in. He has a face about him that you're, like, it's like you're just waiting for what he's going to say next all the time. Uh, Goodfellas, obviously. Um, did you see Many Saints in Newark? I did. Vital role. I lo- Small but vital. I, I didn't love him in that. Uh, I think they kind of screwed him by making him a twin and stuff. I think that was I didn't weird. like that. Yeah, that was yeah, weird. Yeah, that, that, got, that weird. got weird. But yeah, he's got a resume for sure, man. It's, yeah, uh, award-winning. I mean, unbelievable. Obviously, Goodfellas is, is, you know, his namesake. You can kind of say, like, he's more known for that than anything. But you're right. That role as Shoeless Joe, um, while not as big a role as, as, he, as it was in Goodfellas, it was the um, it was kind of the glue that put that whole story together. Where we thought it was, you know, him speaking to, you know, uh, Kevin Costner's character and all that stuff. But it really, he he was just kind of like a conduit uh, that connected Costner to yeah. his dad, and yeah. it was kind of yeah. cool. Like I don't know, it was such a um, 
to to be so um, such an important role, but yet such a small part in the movie. You know, it was more Costner and. Uh, um, uh, Oh um, the black dude, uh, James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones, who's just phenomenal. That voice is just incredible. He's just a great actor. They were all like bigger roles, but that, but that specific role that Ray Liotta played as Shoeless Joe Jackson just was. It was just necessary. The story's not the same without him in that. Correct. And and, and that Correct. just stoic look on his face the whole time in that movie just, you understand at the end more than you do while it's happening. You know, and that's certainly one of those movies you just. If it's on TV, you leave it on. You don't necessarily go looking for it, but if you're passing right. through and it's right. there, it's like mm, I'm watching. And that's I just like I just like his laughing now when they're talking about Ty Cobb. We don't like the son of a bitch. <laughs> that's the one, the only scene the whole time where he kind of went Goodfellas yeah. for about two seconds. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It was great. You're a funny guy. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's a little sad. We won't be seeing him anymore in in, in any new roles. But uh, what a great career! Amazing stuff. So. Take care, Big Ray. Yep. yep. Um, I had asked you to consider an idea or this this thing because, you know, it really comes down to players. We're, we're starting to realize it's it really comes down to players in the NFL, in all sports, in the NBA. Like, I don't care who you are. Three years ago, who's the coach? Who, who just got fired from the Lakers? I always forget his name. Frank. Frank Vogel, right? Vogel. Frank Vogel just gets fired by the Lakers because what? He sucks. Two years ago, coach of the year, wins the NBA championship. He's a freaking genius. Like, it's just funny. You got to have dudes. You got to have guys. You got to have players. And um, so because of that, sometimes we overrate coaches. And then on the other hand, sometimes you don't have many guys and you don't get the recogni- recognition that you might deserve, you know? So what, we're, what I wanted to do with you is I wanted you, and and I'll do the same, to name two overrated coaches and then name, and you know, why don't we start with the underrated? We'll start with two underrated coaches and then we'll name two overrated coaches. And I'll let you start with your first one. All right, so what I did, I went one college, one pro in each. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I'll start underrated college coach. You want to guess? Oh, God, there's so many. I'd have a hard time even... Give me a conference. How about that? Give me a Big conference. Ten. Um, yeah, I think I do have a guess. I can't remember his name. The head coach of Wisconsin. You're wrong. Oh, damn it. It is the head coach it's of It's Jim Harbaugh. No, no, no. <laughs> it's the head coach of Northwestern, Mr. Pat Fitzgerald. Oh, great call. Great call. And I'll tell you why. Great call. So North he's one oh nine and ninety at Northwestern. In the Big he's, Ten. He's forty six years old. He's been there forever, 47 years old, something like that. How many years has he's, he been there? I want to say it double six. digits? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. He's, one of, he's one of the highest tenure coaches in, in football. That's unbelievable, dude. Because that means they hired him in his low to mid-30s. And they hired him out of accident. Not accident, but their coach Necessity. Yeah, yeah. I remember that, away. yeah. Is that Randy Walker? Walker? Yeah. 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 That's right. Um, Look at me remembering the name. Yeah, you must be feeling sick. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, you son of a bitch. He's five and five in bowls, which uh, which is unbelievable. Yeah, we all have to now, put this in the context of he's coaching at Northwestern in the Big Ten, like in the well, Big Ten. I, I, I was just gonna, I was just gonna because like, that sounds like oh, what's five and five? If it's Ohio State and you're five and five in bowl games, you get fired. People that don't understand college football as much as we do, everybody Northwestern is like coaching. 
you know Harvard I, in the Big well, Ten. Well, I can't. I, I was going to say Duke, Vanderbilt, and Stanford, yeah. but they don't want to understand that either. It is unbelievably hard to get in. You're not exact. It's not a football factory at all. Mediocre facilities I've at best. A, I've been to Northwestern's campus. It's like Garfield. Yeah. Well, it's a thousand uh, years old. It's yeah. It's old. Um. No. Def- no offense to Garfield, of course. None. Zero. Well, maybe a little. Two-time Western Big Ten Division champion, Wisconsin, Iowa, Purdue, Nebraska. Yeah. He's also a two-time All-American at Northwestern. So to put that on his resume as well is really, really cool. So I think he's very underrated. And listen, they're not great every year. With the administration stuff, and it's hard to get in there as, as it is, you can't be good every year. But every other year... They're really good, yeah. and they and they and they give good teams a run for their money. Always, when they're a sub five hundred team, they're tough out. You know, they might get blown yes. out here and there, but they they play hard every single week. You can never underestimate them, which is funny because what we're saying underrated, right? You can never underestimate this team, no matter what their record is. They always play hard, and what I like most about them is why this is a great call by you. Um, Thank you. They're innovators. By necessity, this is what makes co- this is why I love college football and why why to me it's so different from the pros. Northwestern can't compete with the same X's and O's that their opponents are using. No, so that's no. why schools like that have to innovate. And when you really, if you look back at the, we'll call it like the birth of spread offense, Northwestern before he was there, when Walker was there. They went spread, no huddle. They were one of the first schools to do it. It made them yep. super competitive because they Absolutely. were doing something that nobody else was doing at the time. Um, and that's what makes it so fun is that you know they're, they're innovators. And they continue to do that on both sides of the football. You have to do things that the other team doesn't see coming, so you have to be an innovator. And they continue to do that year after year, which is just phenomenal. Yeah, just, And fun uh, to watch. It's fun to watch. Yeah, You're like, oh, shit, uh, never seen that before. On a personal note, just there, and I know like a Michigan bias here, but – I remember 2000, 2001, they beat Michigan 54 51 because they were thrown all over the place. Because yeah. that's like Michigan had Joe Henson, uh, David Terrell, Anthony right. Thomas. So, now, now, when they're competitive and when they're winning the division or really vying for division, it's usually because their offense is on point. Very rarely do they have like stiff defenses because that does take some serious recruiting. It's hard. But every, like like you said, every other year, every third year, they get that yeah. super smart, uh, quick-release quarterback and maybe a couple little scat-back They get a stud receivers. running back. That's a, yeah, like. And they just happen to have one of those years where they got, like, five senior linemen. And look out, dude, yeah. because nobody from there leaves early. So every, like, third Correct. year, you have a really veteran friggin' Correct. team that knows how to play, that doesn't get flustered. I uh, love the pick. Uh, absolutely you. love the pick. Yeah, two That's years ago, they had two first-round picks. Yeah. Exactly, so, and one of yep. them is already one of the best tackles, offensive tackles in the game. I mean, just let's go. be real. So uh, my first underrated, um, I stuck with the NFL for both. Okay. Um, I could have done like a shitload of them, but my first underrated is Mike Tomlin. Um, I think I think he doesn't get credit all the time for uh, uh, climate and culture, we'll call it. Um, he, he just has a way... You know, there's people like to say, well, he's never had a losing record. I don't think that's like an X's and O's thing. I think that's a climate and culture thing. He's he's a tone setter. When you see him in interviews, I don't think that's an act. I think that's who he is. You know, right. when you see Bill Belichick in interviews, 
you know, that cold one-word answer. That's not who he is. Go watch, you know, we'll call it behind-the-scene videos of him coaching. He's a really verbal, chatty talker, and he's an explainer. Yeah. He's a teacher, yeah. right? Tomlin, what you see is what you get, and the, and that and that that level of genuineness, we'll call it. I don't even know if that's a word. It emanates all through their program, and every single player knows exactly who he is. They know he's genuine. They know he's real. They know he cares about them, and they know that football is important to him. And you're either part of our program or you're not. Like he's just such a great tone setter. I think that has more to do with why they're winning as often as they do and as regularly as they do um, than any X's and O's things that might be going on. So I actually think, and, and he does get credit. I don't think he doesn't get credit. I just sometimes I think he doesn't get as much credit in the areas that I think I think he deserves it as much as gotcha. he should. Gotcha. My second one. Um, I've talked about this guy a ton. And it's hard to it's hard to call a Super Bowl winning co- coach like you did underrated. However, there's a lot of layers to it. Andy Reid. Yeah, I'm going back to Andy Reid, quarterback coach, OC, Green Bay. I Packers. was going to say it's a career of being underrated. I'm going back to Philadelphia, where he, as we talked about, I think as early as last week, we talked about Jeff Garcia. Donovan McNabb, bring these guys to the playoffs. How many NFC championships did they go to? At least four in a row, at least. I mean, I think it was six NFC championships. That's why when they were running him out of town, I was already living down here in AC, which everybody down here is an Eagles fan. And they're like, oh, it's just his time. I'm like, be really, really careful. This guy is so good. You're you're getting ahead of yourself here. You've gone – and I would say you've gone to six or seven NFC championship games. Yeah, but we never won the Super Bowl. I'm like – there are teams that haven't even made the play at the time. Buffalo hadn't yeah. even seen the playoffs in that entire stretch, and you've gone to the NFC Championship game seven times and won and, and went to one Super Bowl. Like, be careful, dude. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think Dallas will play much during no, that time. Either. No, no. Um, Alex Smith, and then once he got his Mahomes, then he finally got over the top and stuff, and now he's actually you know having some fun and sure. he's going to be one of the greatest. But I think to do what he did with those teams, man, like and those quarterbacks. Yeah. If Donovan McNabb hadn't, like, done whatever he'd done on a personal level, there's a real chance that he was a Hall of Fame quarterback because of the numbers he was putting up and the success. Look at his record, you know? So, And that's all Andy Reid. And, dude, and two big football – three big football factors, Green Bay, Philly, and KC, that's football heaven, man. Yeah, yeah. And you think even what he did um, with Mike Vick – the controversy of taking him on yeah. after the whole dogfighting incident. Great point. Giving him a chance as a backup only at first and then actually making him a starter and having some success and seeing that fun that Mike Vick had. And he t- Vick talks about him all the time, like the greatest coach I ever played for. So, I mean, those meetings and, and practices must have been great. I mean, just think about yeah. it. Just, just look at the shit Mahomes does in games. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... And then, again, along the same lines with Fitzgerald, an innovator. You know, he's clearly an innovator. And I think yeah. that has a lot to do with it, too, for players. Because, you know, as a former player yourself and as a former coach myself, um, f- introducing fun plays, new plays, new stuff. Hey, we got this new idea, that bright, shiny object in practice. It helps elevate the mood. As the season goes on, it can be a bit of a grind, man. When you're only playing once a week, which football obviously is, it gets to be kind of a dry routine 
at a certain point of the season during practice. But now you have this oh, guy yeah. who's constantly innovating, adding new ideas. Hey, maybe we'll throw this wrinkle in, this trick play, this shuffle pass, like all this kind of stuff keeps things fresh, keeps guys interested, keeps them upbeat, and that has a has a big effect on uh, on the team. So, yeah, it's funny you say. Yeah, you're absolutely right. A guy who's had as much success as he's had, kind of never had the reputation and never really got the. R2, RE2 spec he deserved um, for as long as he did. It's kind of a crime. And I think now people are looking back and saying, well, I think this guy might have been a little better than we thought. You know? Yep. So it's hard to sustain that kind of success over such a long period of time. Uh, and he did it and is doing it again, obviously. So And I and I have a sneaky suspicion that he, he knows what he's doing getting rid of Tyree Kill. I agree 100%. We've talked about this. And I said, yep. you know, Tyreek doesn't have – you know, uh, Mahomes thrown to him now, and Andy's just always had done a great job of plug and play. You know, it's not like they brought in shit players to fill. They didn't bring in Tyreek Hill, but they brought in pretty good guys. Guys yep. who've had hundred catch seasons. You know, uh, who'd they bring in from Juju Smith Schuster from the Steelers? Like this guy's an yep. accomplished receiver. Right? And in the last three years, I don't think he's ever had less than ninety catches. It's not like he's you know. You know, shit off the bottom of someone's shoe. <laughs> like he's a pretty goddamn good player, along with others. It's not the only one they brought in. So, yeah, that's a good one. My second one, um, s similar sentiment here. Like, a been a very successful head coach, um, but I think he's underrated, and that's Matt Lafleur. Um, and, and mainly because he has been able, as the head coach, to navigate, frankly, the the whole Aaron Rodgers situation. You know, it's easy to say, well, once you show up, you play the game. You don't understand what goes on in a player's mind over the course of a year. And I'm not talking about Aaron Rodgers' mind. I'm talking about everybody else on the team. Yeah. yeah, think about it, man. That shit started the night of the draft, and then it continued on all the way through camp. And LaFleur of everybody was the one who's stuck in the middle of, you know, the GM and the owner and the players – and he couldn't have played that any better. Like he kept him in contact with Aaron Rodgers and never made him feel like an adversarial thing. Right. And yet he kind of never left the side of his GM and president and that kind of stuff. Or the 50-something other guys on the roster either. The fact that he was able to navigate that, and I think they still ended up going, what, 13-4 and four or something like that? What was their record last year? 12-5? and five? First place in their division, home field throughout? Yeah. Yeah. You know, they earned home field throughout the playoffs. Nah, yeah. 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 Two so years. Be, so three years in a row. It might have been better than 12-5. It might have. I think it was. Yeah. I think it was at least 13-4. and four. So three years in a row. So two years in a row. The first two years they go to the NFC Championship game. Three years in a row they're winning at least like 12, 13 games. And two out of those three years they're the number one seed. And – on top of the turmoil that Rodgers just brings, the kind of tension that he brings to the table pretty much on a daily basis, you have to remember that Green Bay isn't exactly like a hot free agency destination. Like guys don't really get into free agency and come to Green Bay. Number one, Green Bay doesn't really play that game of overspending for players. Um, and number two, you know, Green Bay isn't, ex isn't exactly like the most fun place in the country. It's not, it's not Miami. It's cold. It's dank. It's like, you know, I don't think there's a building that's over four stories tall. Like, it just is not a great, you know, it's not easy 
um, to attract free agents. You tend to get second uh, second rate sounds like they're not great players. They're still good players, but they're not like that top tier of elite players. You're just not getting them uh, in free agency. So on top of those two things, I mean, he just does a, a great job. They're always right there. And I suspect, you know, as much as they lost Devontae Adams and other players, I suspect they'll, they'll be there again. There's Matt LaFleur's train coming in and maybe <laughs> maybe bringing a Super Bowl to Green Bay this year. All right, let's go to our overrated coaches. Who do you got first? I went the college route once again. Give me a conference. You're, you're going to be shocked at this one. Give sir. me the conference. i got to guess. Pack 12 And you said I'm going to be shocked. Hmm. You're not going to say uh, the new head I coach you, at USC. I, I'm going to say the new head coach at USC. Oh my goodness! Okay. I bet you. I bet you can't name six coaches in the Pac-12 right now. Oh, I can't. I can't even name like three. <laughs> yeah. Is Herm Edwards still coaching Arizona State? Yeah. Barely. Who's, co- who's coaching Arizona? That's... It's not Kevin Sumlin, is it? Nope. I have no idea. Yeah, I can't. I can... Washington's got a I new mean, guy. Chip, uh, not Chip, Chip Kelly. Kelly. Yeah, Chip Kelly. Yeah, Chip Kelly. Uh, who's in Oregon now? That uh, New, oh, the, guy, yeah. the, the Auburn OC that Cristobal left. Yeah, it's crazy. It's yeah, I couldn't. I it's couldn't crazy. Tell you. I could say Ty Willingham at Utah. No, not Ty Willingham. Um, Kyle Winningham. Winningham. I was close. Yeah, was, yeah maybe not. I'm drinking. Um, it was Link. There was a whiz sound in the beginning. Lincoln of, Riley. Lincoln Riley. Tell me about why you say that. Because this is like so, the talk of the town. Like, oh, Lincoln oh, Riley goes yes, to USC. It, it's over national yes, championships. All you yes, got to do is, is go on FS1 and watch Colin Cowherd. He believes it's basically over. Within two years, USC will be a national power, national champion again. So tell me why, ex, why he's wrong. Ex-Oklahoma Sooner coach. Ex-East Carolina coach. Oof. He was the head coach. I think he was a, a player at East Carolina. Became the often, uh, quarterback's coach, offense coordinator. Then got the offense from there. Got the offense coordinator Gosh. job at uh, Oklahoma. At Oklahoma. Yeah. Very fast rise. I mean, very fast rise. 55 and 10 at Oklahoma. However. However. He's 1-3 in bowls, and he's 0-3 in the playoff with two Heisman Trophy winners. By far the best team in the Big 12 this whole tenure. Oh, yeah. Texas in the shitter. Forget it. A&M to the SEC. Everybody else is second. So on and so forth. Yeah, good. Yeah. Pressure is now on. The money is now coming from all angles. And as you said. NIL Palooza. Turn on any channel. And and he should be the best team in the Pac-12 right off the bat. He's got half his team in Oklahoma and and transfer. Seriously. So. Who's the quarterback that they brought in that he ended up? Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams, yeah. So I think he's overrated a little bit from Oklahoma, and now I think with the money and the transfer and the NIL and and Hollywood and all this other bullshit, Ooh, boy. buckle up, buckle up. Yeah, Southern boy heading out to LA. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if he's ready for that, man. That's <laughs> well. So what's interesting about this one is time will tell. You're you're doing more of a pre- prediction than uh, this is what I've seen. Other than the fact that you're right. About bowl games, about playoff games. That's interesting. I don't think too many people point to those things. And it's not like he was coaching East Carolina or Northwestern and having those records. It's Oklahoma. Correct. Clearly, clearly the best team in the Big 12. 
Like it's not even close. So not even close. It's everyone else is a distant second. There are teams that can compete sometimes. Sometimes a Baylor can compete. Sometimes Oklahoma State can compete. Sometimes you know Texas. You get, but you not get that recently. weird year at Kansas State. That's like ten and two. Everyone's a, but yeah. but it all starts with Oklahoma. Like yeah. that's where it all begins. So um, I'm gonna. I am going to. You know. Just, I might get struck by lightning with what I'm about to say because from best I can tell, you're not allowed to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway, and I feel super confident in this Bill one. Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is I totally universally agree overrated. Let's be honest. Now, that doesn't mean he's a bad coach. I don't think he's a bad coach. I'm just saying he's overrated because the reality is – Take Tom Brady away. We now know if you take Tom Brady away, he is not a very good GM – in fact, you can make an argument that he's a bad GM. Um, if you look at oh, his yes. drafts, they're terrible. Everybody was jerking off last year because they spent a hundred and however many million dollars on wide receivers and tight ends. And did you get any production out of Aguilar and their, whoever? They and, and Johnu Smith. Yeah, you got yeah. nothing. And look at his drafts. Man, you love Aguilar. That's your guy. Oh, I, I just never understood that, that you were going to give him more money than the Jets gave Corey Davis, and the Jets were, and it was kind of said that, like, the Jets overpaid for Corey Davis. Maybe they did, but there was way more money. It was two more million a year given for Aguilar, and I'm like, he's not even close to as good as Corey Davis. So if the Jets overpaid for Corey Davis, then Aguilar was way overpaid. Um. But yeah, if you look at his record without Tom Brady, he's a losing record. He got fired. He got fired from um, from the Cleveland Browns. Now there are some people that say, "Well, they were improving when they fired him." I'm like, "Well, not enough to keep his job." Yeah, right. So right. you know, um, and and now you see without Tom Brady, uh, and pretty much similar to same rosters, they're a 500 football team. So, again, doesn't mean he stinks. It just means he's overrated. We gave him the mantle of greatest coach of all time, and maybe that's not accurate. We can call him the winningest coach of all time. That's probably fair, right? Six, uh, six Super Bowl championships as a head coach for New England. But I'm sorry. If you asked me, like, you're starting a team now and you can, you know, resurrect any coach in the history of football – I'm just being honest with you. Bill Belichick isn't the first guy I'm going to. There are names like Bill Walsh, Bill Parcells, a lot of Bills. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, even an Andy Reid, I might consider more uh, more than uh, Bill Belichick. How about a Bill Cower? Maybe I don't know. That's a close one because I actually think for a little while there, Bill Cower was a little overrated as well. I agree. I agree. <laughs> so I'm thinking on the overrated. I'm thinking Hall of Fame coaches, Jimmy yeah. Johnson. Oh, I would take Jimmy Johnson over Belichick in a heartbeat. Yeah. I think Bill Belichick. I, I think Jimmy Johnson's a better coach. I think he's a better motivator of men. I, I just I think he's a better leader. I think Bill Belichick is a great teacher. I really do think he's a great teacher. I think he has an ability to break down what he's tr what he wants you to do. That he might do maybe better than anybody in the history of the game. Because they're, you know, New England's a greatest asset if you look through their history, their big run under Belichick and, and frankly with Brady, is their ability to do something drastically different from week to week. 
And I can tell you as a coach, that's really fucking hard because it's hard enough just to get your guys to understand your system in general. To be able to, to, to deviate from that so drastically from week to week, you have to do an amazing job of explaining this to your players. Uh, and they're able to do it. And, and, and to me, that's, that's amazing. Okay, that's amazing. But I think maybe a lot of people are starting to see we probably should have slowed down a little. You could say Belichick and Brady are the best quarterback-coach combination of all time. That's fair. Uh, yeah. But him being the best coach of all time, I've seen, I've seen other coaches do more with less. Bill, Bell, uh, Bill Parcells took the friggin' Jets to the AFC Championship game and almost beat your Denver Broncos, had them on the ropes in Denver. Yep. With with Vinny Testa fucking Verdi as the quarterback, okay? So I never seen Belichick do anything like that. I had him written down as my honorable mention, but I'm yeah. glad you hit There's that. a couple on there, like especially with the underrated. I wanted to say like Mike Vrabel, I think, is underrated. Because I think he does more with less than anybody else, maybe in the league. And he's got that like Tom and Edge to him too, like Absolutely. Absolutely. Um my second one, you're gonna you're gonna disagree with because I know you're a big fan of this fella and you always defend them. Uh oh. You want to guess? That always defend them. Hmm. Because I I thrown some jabs in here there and you're like, well, that's not fair. Hmm. Pete Carroll. No. Okay, go ahead. No, I'm not sure. Same conference, same division. This is overrated. Are you gonna say uh, uh, down in Arizona? McVay? Oh, my God. Shanahan. Jesus. Y'all, see, there it is. The voice gets cracking. Wow. Oh you think he's God. overrated? I do, and I'll tell you why. Wow. I got to hear this bullshit. OC of the Falcons. Continued throwing the football with a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl against Tom Brady. Go with what got you there. Of all coaches. Of all players. Blew the Super Bowl a couple years ago with Jimmy Garoppolo. Let's throw the ball. Let's roll him out. Let's throw the ball. Let's keep doing stupid shit. You're running the ball down their throat. Now they think they're going to get rid of Jimmy G. Didn't miss a Now they think they're going to get rid of Jimmy G. Brought him to another NFC Championship game for a guy that we're not a fan of and a Super Bowl. A guy, that, a guy that's unproven. Uh, a guy that play hasn't played really football in what three years now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, let's see here, Kyle. Two and a half years, three. It'll be three. When and I, I, I know you're in what he got. He's not going on his dad's reputation. He's a like, like, he's a good coach. Yeah. I do think the high and mighty though that people talk about him is a little strong. I think where I will agree with you is Shanahan, and this is a media-driven narrative. We'll say not by us because we're honest brokers, but it's a media-driven narrative that he's like a fucking genius. Like, he's just Wonder Boy and can make no bad decisions and can do nothing wrong. And the funny thing is, as you just mentioned, <laughs> that draft of Trey Lance, it's not the drafting of Trey Lance that gets you in trouble. It's the fact that you had to, like, sacrifice how many draft picks to move from, like, 11 to 3 or whatever it was, 12 to, up to 3. Yeah. You gave up a lot. It's one thing if you make a pick and you're wrong. It's another thing if you if you sacrifice you your more, future for that yes. pick and then you're wrong. Because you if you're wrong, if you're just wrong on the pick, 
next year you can correct it. A la Arizona. Arizona picked the kid from UCLA. Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen. He didn't get much of a chance, and they were a pretty bad football team. But, you know, they saw him in practice. They saw him in games, didn't like what they saw. And a year later, with the number one pick, they take Kyler Murray. And whatever we think about Kyler Murray as far as a championship quarterback, he's a winning quarterback. And they're they're at least relatively satisfied with him. Yes. How satisfied might be a conversation for us to have another day. But they're relative. So when you make a mistake, and guess what? That GM that picked Josh Rosen, he's still there because a year later he fixed it. San Francisco now is not in a position to fix that because they sacrifice future first-round picks to move up to get Trey Lance, and you might be stuck. And that's how you get fired. So, like, the he's a god of coaching might be a bit much. Can we at least wait till you win one of those Super Bowls before we coronate you? So, yeah. So there are only two coaches in that division that don't have Super Bowl rings at this point. Pete Carroll does and Sean McVay now does. Shanahan doesn't. So it has to knock you down a notch, at least in your own division. So um, I am a big fan of his. I do think he's a really good coach. And I think he does a really good job of getting the most out of what he has on that team. Um, but the God the God level stuff might be a bit much. And he is a bit smug at the mic as well. Oh, yeah. Like, how dare you question me? Don't you, you know smell, who I am? Did you smell that shit I just took? Yeah. It does not stink. <laughs> oh, Come on, be bro. careful, journalists. Don't you know my name? So, okay. Oh, you're going to love this one. You want to take a guess on who my, who my second overrated is? Second overrated. Yeah. <laughs> AFC? Yes. AFC North. I think it's the North. I was thinking AFC North. You're going to go with John Harbaugh. I am not. I'm going to go with Mike Tomlin. Now, yes. Oh, you're so fucking corny. Oh, my God. Go ahead. What are you talking about? Go ahead. I actually... There's 300 coaches, and you went with the same guy in both categories? Because I can justify both. I'm going to go with Would you... (laughs) (laughs) Why do you not have one already? Um, I, I have one. I'm almost done. Let me ask you this, in all honesty. Did you not agree with my argument... That I made for him as being underrated? At least mostly. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, now, so now just give me a chance here. Go ahead. Let's be honest about Mike Tomlin. I understand. He's And here's what we're talking about. I'm not saying he's a bad coach. I'm just saying I think he's a little overrated. Because we get the whole, again, I'm going to use the same argument on the other side. We get the whole, well, he's never had a losing season. Well, he hasn't won a suit. He hasn't like won a playoff like more than one play. He's got like one playoff win in like 10 years, too. He said, well, he won a Super Bowl. back." That Super Bowl was like 10 years ago. Ben Roethlisberger was in his prime. And let's be honest, I think that was his first year, first or second year as head coach. Was it his first year or second year? Wait, hold on. Hold on. You hear the phone ringing? It's my brother. He totally agrees with me. Oh, really? So oh, yeah, he's, he's, see yeah, what I'm saying? A, was that his first he, or second but he, year? But he wouldn't agree with you on the underrated part. On the underrated part, part of course, of course. Well, <laughs> then I wouldn't use him as an argument. Um, what um, what year was it? Was it his first or second year that they won the Super Bowl? I want to say second. Yeah, so that's Bill Cowher's team. Yeah. I mean, let's be real. If we're going to take Gruden's steam away from him as the Tampa Bay head coach, and we're going to give that to uh, – who's the head coach? Who's no, no, no. The well, coach before, when he was with Tampa Bay and won a Super Bowl. 
that that coach ended up going to be an Colts coach and won a Super Bowl. Dungy. Yeah, Tony Dungy was the head coach. A lot of people say, ah, oh, you know, Gruden isn't anything. He, that was Dungy's team. Yeah. I think it's actually a relatively fair argument, you know, to a degree. And I'm going to say the same thing here. Obviously, he was the head coach, but that was Cowher's team, you know, and that was a, a young, you know, vibrant, healthy, aggressive Ben Roethlisberger. The reality is, if you look at his playoff record since, they're nothing special. I don't know, you know, I, they certainly haven't made an AFC championship game in that stretch since they won that Super Bowl. And every year, it seems like they're kind of in the Super Bowl discussion. They won't be this year because of their quarterback's situation. But up until, like, the last year or so, they were in the, well, you know, Pittsburgh always has a – and I don't know. You could actually look back at the last 10 years and say every year was kind of a disappointment. Now, if you go – it doesn't mean I you had agree. a losing season. But if you can go 10 straight years with your season being a bit of a disappointment, maybe you as a coach are a little bit overrated. So – I guess what I'm saying with both of those is that I think there are aspects of Mike Tomlin as a coach that are hard for most fans to recognize. To do what he has done for as long as he has done and to keep more or less the same feel, the same culture in that program, I don't think is easy. And I think it's underrated. But his success as a head coach and the track record um, and and really, what what do we what do we really ever care about? We care about championships. Um, that you mentioned Andy Reid before. Andy Reid was never considered an elite coach until he won a Super Bowl. Now we look back and we say, you know what? Maybe this guy was a lot better than we thought for a lot longer than we thought. And he just either ran into bad luck or a couple bad decisions or a couple bad breaks. But it's kind of been this good all along. It's kind of opposite with Tomlin, right? Like, you got off to a super hot start, and then you've yeah. kind of been mediocre to just above average for the last decade. Yeah, because you because you think about it. A team is like with the Steelers' reputation and talent. Just sticking into the playoffs isn't exactly what it's you It's not want. good enough, right? Yeah. yeah, like this is not a dysfunctional organization. This is one of the most well-run organizations, family-owned in the entire NFL. It's not like they haven't had talent. It's not like they haven't had an elite quarterback. It's not like they haven't had elite defenses. It's not like they haven't had really good coordinators. Right. They've had all these things, and they've had no championships going back. I don't know how many years that is since the last one they won when he was there. It's got to be It's got to be going on 13. Okay, so let's just call it a decade, right? What year is this? 10, 22? I think they won a what, 08? Something like that. Yeah, so it's like 14 years. Holy shit. So let's call it 10 or 12. When you go 10 or 12 years – with your season ending being a disappointment, like this year, if they only won eight games, that's not a disappointment. Like you it's might not be happy games. with that, but you, 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 how much can your expectations be? Yeah. When you go 12 straight, you go a dozen years and it's like that it looks like you underachieved. I got to say you're an overrated coach. Uh, I have a question before yeah. we move on. Do you give him any slack that he went up against Brady and Peyton Manning for a lot of those years? Do you give, you give Peyton Manning any slack? Yeah, I do a little bit. I don't. Does Does Dan Marino get any slack? Fuck Marino. It's the greatest quarterback of all time. He's like fourth. It's the greatest quarterback of all time. Take your Take your Marino thong off. He's the greatest quarterback. I'm a Jets fan. How do you say Marino's the best quarterback? The of all best quarterback. If you asked me, if you gave me the option of who would you want to be your quarterback through history, it's Dan Marino's not even close. I don't even hesitate, dude. You he's got the greatest. Throw, he's the greatest. Pa- he's the greatest passer of the football ever. I think I've. 
Yeah, so is Jeff fucking George, coach. What are you talking about? Hey, Jeff, you're going to compare Jeff George to Dan Marino? Could throw it 100 yards. Best throw of the football. Is he a Hall of Famer? Best throw of the football. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Who do people consider to be the greatest quarterback of all time that never won a Super Bowl? Oh, but now you're adding something to it. I am adding it for my argument. I'm making an argument. Dan Marino. So then my point is he's on a list of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. I don't don't disagree with that. He gets downgraded because he didn't win Super Bowls. I'm just saying – like. I, what I always say is, like, if, I don't know if he was the same year as uh, – he wasn't. He wasn't the same year as Joe Montana. But no, if, Wayne Kelly. If San Fran took Dan Marino instead of Joe Montana, do you think oh, they don't win the, – you think they don't yeah. win three Super Bowls? So sometimes yeah, but, it's where you land. I mean, it, I agree, it has an effect. I agree with that. I just kids. think if you're asking me who I can have, I can have any quarterback throughout history, I'm taking Dan Marino. And I don't even hesitate for that. And who's the best quarterback not to win a Super Bowl and not be in the Hall of Fame? It's Jeff George. I, lo- I love Jeff George. I wish I had his talent. I might have been from? in the Hall of Fame. From? Illinois. Yeah. Um, so. oh, well, well, before we move on, uh-huh. I have another question. I'm really concerned about Mike Dean. Where is he? Is he oh, is he, Dean Dumb Sports he, didn't show up What's today. he doing? Is he going in with his DraftKings bet? Well, I was going to say some of, some of his predictions might have been a little off. He did all right. He jinxed himself, though. Did he tell you the story? No, tell me. He's funny. Oh, let me hear it. He, he texts me like Friday morning like, Champagne bottles, bathtub, oh, He candles. always jumps the gun. Dude, I'm like, it's Friday morning, Cole. We didn't even fucking tell you off. Like, the next the next hall, guy double bogus. He goes, I'm going to I'm gonna jump off a bridge. I'm like, why would you do that? And I, <laughs> Dude, that's where that whole North Carolina Baylor bet came from. It's the first half. It's like 12 minutes into the first half, and Carolina's up by like, you know, 15. And he's like, so, he's texting me. It's over. It's over. I'm like, I'll take Baylor plus four. And he's like, oh, it's a bat, it's a bat. Like, dude, he did, can't he's get ridiculous. That. That's why. And then in the championship game, I said at halftime, I'm like, dude, looking good. He's like, oh, I, I don't want to, I don't want to say anything. And here he is. He can't help himself. It's so he funny. Said that he goes, I really can't help myself. And I forgot about the Baylor thing. And I'm like, oh my god. I have to tell you, I love it though, because he's a fan. Like, he's a real fan. Yeah. He loves the sports, and he just when he's in, he's he has dived all in. And he's emotionally connected to the, whether it's golf or football, baseball, hockey, even like no, it's great. It's great. It's like great. he is a fan's fan. Like he's in we kept emotional the whole thing. Like, it's great. He goes, I haven't moved one minute since I talked about it. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, it's great. And dude, afterwards, I bet he was like having that like cat of nine tails and like whipping himself in the back, like stupid son of a bitch, you never I, open your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said. I'm never gonna tell you how I'm doing again. Liar. You liar. You liar. All right. So we mentioned um, you you mentioned uh, Shanahan being one of the more overrated coaches. Whether he is or not, they have a situation going on over there and it has multiple prongs. And I'm I'm fascinated by it because I think each one of them kind of plays off the other other in this like weird kind of triumvirate that's going on there. So so you have a situation right now where Debo Samuel still hasn't like committed to coming back to San Fran. You know, he he mentioned that he wanted out. Like, not mentioned he wanted out. He kind of demanded, like, I want the hell out of here. I'm done. And at the same time, they were unable to trade Jimmy G and make this full commitment to uh, Trey Lance. But yet, and this is what made me think about this and want to ask you, like, where do you think this is at right now and where do you think this is going? Uh, George Kittle has been on, like, a kind of, like, interview tour, I don't know if he was with Rich Eisen or with 
or with Dan Patrick recently. But he was also I, I don't think he was on DP. Okay, then it was Rich Eisen. And um he was asked like flat out, like, what are your feelings? You know, you look at you know, what are your feelings with like Trey Lance coming in or, or Jimmy G, he's still there. And the waffling that went on, and basically what he said is I don't think he wanted to say this, but basically this is what he said. You know, with Jimmy G, we know what we got. We got a guy who knows the offense. He's got a quick release. He's, you know, a leader. We've been with him. We know what we got. He said, you know, and, and he said, you know, with Trey Lance, and he's kind of like looking up to the ceiling. He's like, yeah, he's a good runner, and, um, you know, and he's kind of like learning real fast. He's got a big, big cannon for an arm. He throw the ball like 100 yards, and, and, uh, and he was just struggling to really like give you, give you a reason to say yeah. we should go with Trey Lance. Plus, he's also in a little bit of a spot because we all thought and all indications that we got from the Niners was that Jimmy G would have been gone by this point. Mm. So now it's like, what's going to happen? You would think if they had the confidence in Trey Lance. At the very least, they would have said at this point, Trey Lance is the guy we're going forward with. Jimmy's here. We'll see what happens. You don't hear any of that. And and then there's the other side of it. If you're Debo Samuel, well, you know, who do you want? Like, if you found out that Trey Lance, who has, you know, you're a Super Bowl contending team. This is a team that over the last, no doubt, what, two, three? Yeah, three at uh, least. Three years or four, three or four years, whatever the hell it is. Like, you're a contender. You're right there. NFC Championship game, Super Bowl. Like, you're right there. Do you want an unproven, untested, basically rookie quarterback as your, as your quarterback coming into the season? So, like, that's why I wanted to throw it at you. Like, where where do you think they are right as we stand here right now? And if you had to, like, look into your crystal ball come August – what do you think is going to be the case? So to go, let me let me throw this one more thing at you. Here's what here's why I even push it forward to August for you. I believe the CBA, which is the like the contract that they sign, he can be cut. Uh, Jimmy G can be cut up into a up until like some point in August once camp starts, and that would really stick him because then it's like you've already been through camp. You're gonna what get signed by another team? Maybe if there was a major injury, but at that point it's tough. So, like, you have to factor that into what you, what, where you think things are going. So, to my at. point on, on Shanahan being overrated, I think that he's so cocky and so my way goes. I think they're going to force a bad trade. I think they're going to. A Jimmy just, G bad trade? Yeah. I think they're going to just want to get him off the roster, out of the locker room, so Trey Lance has nothing to look over his shoulder at. And they, they will get rid of him. But I don't think they're going to make the. Smart decision, I should say. Well, what's interesting about that possible scenario is the way that the quarterback free agent scene turned out this year. You look around the league, you'd be hard-pressed to find too many teams that don't have their guy right now or a guy, either a clearly established guy like a Justin Herbert in in, um, in L.A., or a young up-and-coming guy like the Jets or Miami or Jacksonville. You know, like all those teams, their guy you're not sure is the guy, but they're not ready to move off them either. Like these are right. young co- developing quarterbacks. You're not sure. They're not looking to replace them yet. There's only a handful of teams that you can even make that move with. Seahawks, Panthers, Texans. You're probably not going to change. You're not going to do them to the Seahawks, right, right? In, right. in division. 
Unless you don't give it, unless you don't think he's any good. And he gets hurt every year. Yeah, yes, he does. Carolina. Which is one of the places we thought was a possibility Correct. when this all started. Kind of made a little sense. We even thought the Steelers made a little sense. We thought the Colts made a little sense. We keep naming teams. We thought Pittsburgh layup. We um we keep thinking Texans, but I think they're really, really happy with this guy. I think you're right. And we spotted that long before anybody else did, dude. Yeah. We were talking about that during the season. You think about anybody who talks about um what the hell's his name? Uh, Davis Mills. Davis Mills. And I think you and I think you even gave him a little props in the draft talk. I said if he landed in the right spot. Now I certainly yeah. didn't think that Houston yeah. was the right spot, which <laughs> makes either. it even more impressive to me that he did what he did. Correct. With 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 Houston. With that shit show going on, yeah. Like, you know, I'm a big Zach Wilson fan. Zach Wilson had none games like some of the games that Davis Mills had. Davis Mills had, if I'm not mistaken. I think he had either three or four 300-yard passing games. He didn't start every game. No. So he had three or four 300-yard passing games with a shit offensive line, mediocre receivers, like, and a bad defense, so they're not on the field very much as an offense. So, yeah, I don't even think Houston, who in the middle of the season, they might have been a target trade for San Fran. I don't, I don't think that's a real yeah. possibility anymore. And now why would you, like, give up? Draft capital Anything. or whatever up. Yeah. yeah. It's, nah. So, like, it's like, who are you doing? Who are you making that trade even with? You yeah, know? so I think the Niners are a little bit – I think they backed themselves into a tiny corner. Listen, Thanksgiving – I was going to say, do you just take a run with – one more run with Jimmy G? Is that – do you think way. they're even thinking that? We could be wrong. Thanksgiving, they're what? 10-2. and 9-2. With who as their starter? Lance. And we're okay. going, well, we were wrong. They, they knew what they were doing. I really don't think so. I, you know me. I have not, especially with the especially with the Debo saga going on. There's multiple sagas. Oh, here. That's what I'm saying. That's what makes yeah. this, this this. That's why I wanted to bring it up today, because there's so many tentacles to this one. Tentacles. It really. Um, that's why I said, like, if you're Debo Samuel, do, do you want to know? Hey, man, who's our quarterback this year? And as if you're if you're Lynch or if you're especially Shanahan, especially him. If you're Lynch or Shanahan, do you know what the right answer is to that? Do you know what Debo wants to hear? Well, if I'm Debo, I want to hear, I'm not playing tailback 15 times a game anymore. That's 100% That's accurate. Not, right. Yeah. So now now even Debo alone, you have multiple issues to deal with. I think this is just like a fascinating Fascinating yeah. offseason story for 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 an organization that is not dysfunctional. They have their shit together, Definitely. draft very well, do all do things right. I just think that it's it's pretty wild, and it's just interesting. That's why I asked you, like, what do you think he would want? Because a lot of times, you know, players want the new guy. So give me so the he, new guy. And so it's like, you sure you want the new guy? I, I don't even know that the players are sold on Trey Lance. Well, how many times everyone loves a backup quarterback because you haven't seen him yet? <laughs> and don't forget, so they do see him in practice. Well, I'm seeing fans, not that's. Not but that's why I mentioned the George Kittle thing. Like, he couldn't come up with a lot of good attributes yeah. that he sees. You know, he wasn't like, also, you know, he's super accurate and he's a great leader. You don't hear any of that stuff in that interview. And if you're coming from Debo's angle, Debo's played running back with Jimmy G playing quarterback. Are you guaranteed you're not going to do it with Trey Lance? You have no idea. 
The only way you get that guarantee know, is from the coaching staff. And I know they were banged up a running back, so that's why he had to do it. But then when they got healthy, they still put him back. Yeah, I know. So. I know. I know. I actually think the running back thing is an easier fix f- oh, from definitely. an organization standpoint. I mean, you could just say, listen, I don't want to have to guarantee that we never use you, but what if we just say, like, we'll reduce it drastically. If there's numbers you can put on it, like, you know, two carries a game, three carries a game. Three or less, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, but is he that effective when you only get three, four carries? Because then you know what he's doing. Like, there's a whole thing to it. Well, because I don't want to say never, because then now we don't have the strategic advantage against the other team. But I know you don't want to carry the ball 10 times a game, 15 times a game. So we guarantee we won't do that. But I don't want to say never either. So let's let's come up with something that we both think is fair. We don't want to we don't want to put that kind of load on your back. No homo. Um, but, oh, sorry. I don't know. I know it was pretty gross. Uh, <laughs> Debo Samuel's got a load on his back now. It's like, it's like a, Shanahan, a Shanahan load. Um, but at the same time, we don't want to give up the, the advantage that we have by that being a possibility. So we'll just right. reduce that. Can we come with that? I think you can come to some kind of agreement with that. That'll be satisfactory. I mean, listen, look around the league. Even like CD Lamb carries the ball sometimes. Maybe not as a, specifically as a running back, but on end arounds and that kind of you know speed. Yep. Yeah. Speed around, you know, speed ends. Um, so I just think that's a super fascinating little situation. There. Hey, let's get into the PGA Championship. We're running out of time here. Um, what started out to me as like not the most exciting tournament I've ever seen, correct? Certainly ended quite fascinating. Sure did. Before we get into that, I just want to say there was something funny that kind of happened. You get ahead of yourself sometimes, like when you see certain things. And at one point, I was watching on Saturday, and I'm just like, man, this place just. I don't know. It just has like a, you know, it's a redone course. They redid the whole course. It's, it doesn't look anything like what it used to look like. And I'm like, man, it just really has like an Augusta National feel to feel to it. Because and for me, it was like, it was very like um, emerald green. Like it almost, the, the green of the fairways and the rough, like it just was vibrant. And that's what I always think of when I think of like Augusta National. I just think, Jesus Christ, place the grass doesn't even look real. Yeah. Right. So it right. just had that. And then I'm like, dude. Oh, the other thing was like a lot of the greens were like like a turtle shell, you know, like where if you were around the edges, you're fucked. Like it's not st- it's not sticking. And that yep. to me is very Augusta National also. And then I sat there. I'm like, all right, come on, you just want it. You, you're just look. You just always want to compare things to Augusta National, and that's it's not. So just slow down. Five freaking minutes later, I think it was Faldo. That was like, you know, this particular hole is very much like Augusta National. And I'm like, all right, son of a bitch. Maybe I was okay with that one. So it was whatever they did, it was gorgeous. I mean, beautiful course, lovely, great condition. So it was nice. Uh, JT wins in a playoff. Incredible. Um, epic. How far Collab- back was he? Was he seven strokes back at one, at like, yeah. during on Sunday? Yeah. Yep. What happened to Pereira? Let, let, give epic, us, give cla- us. epic collapse by Mito Pereira. Double bogeys the 18th hole. <sighs> puts, puts it in the water off the tee. Tries to be too cute. Classy mistake. The swing didn't look good right off the bat. He, he was kind of holding it funny, and he knew yeah. he's, he was trying to just avoid the water. And and so bad he doesn't even make the playoff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think there was a little bit of that going on. A little um, Understandably so, by the way. I'm not even trying to bust his balls. I mean, this is basically a first-year player, second-year yeah. player. Here you are leading the PGA Championship, staring a major championship in the face. 
uh, you might be a little nervous. I don't know. Call me crazy. I mean, <sighs> might be a little nervous. One thing about him, though, classy in the feet. Went yeah. outside, didn't have to do it. Went outside, talked to Amanda Renner, and uh, and that's hard. And that is hard. And that's nah. hard. You had it in your fingertips, man, and you just let it go. Oof. Never know when that's coming around again. So you never know. Yeah. I mean, just ask uh, Jordan Speed to keep shit in his pants. At these Unbelievable. Things. Dude. Unbelievable, dude. Did you see the shot? I don't even recognize him. Did you see the shot he had? 16, 17, par four. I don't think I saw Almost that. hits the pin. <laughs> par four. Yeah. Oh, you Pars mean on, on, off the tee? Par's the hole. Three putts. Oh, and what's his strength? Putting. When he's, when he's rolling, he's putting. Dude, oh, it's it was awful. Three putts. And I had him in DK. I almost called Dean up. I go, I'll drive to the bridge. You want to go together? <laughs> One more thing on JT. Yeah, please. Of course, dude, the winner. Dude, is he unbelievable on Sundays? I tell you I what, man. There are two guys on Sundays. Uh, number one is Rory McIlroy when he has no chance of winning. <laughs> you, your, your best bet of the week is if Rory has no chance of winning a major championship, bet him for lowest round of the day. He's five, six under easily. He's, no problem. Every fucking time. Like, he can't win. But he will put up a disgusting number, and it makes you even more, more furious. Yes, because yes. you're like, look what this guy is capable of. It's, it's unbelievable. It's crazy. Um, and the other thing is that if JT is within, within, I don't know, ten. I was gonna say ten. I thought I was thinking even twelve. Like, I'm not saying he's got a chance to win it, but I promise you, he's gonna end up on that leaderboard. Yeah, and he's gonna, well. he's gonna. Here's what I can promise you. If he's within 10 strokes sometime during that day, he's going to make a run that you're like, oh, shit. If the leader falls back and he goes two more birdies, run, 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 run. like you then start calculating in your head, how can he make this happen? Exactly what we were talking about Sunday. Absolutely. He's one of the few players that, that really – how am I saying this? Like he's just one of those few players that you're like, if he just does a little more and this yeah. guy comes down just a little bit, this is might be real. You know, that was that's kind of how it was with Tiger back in the day. And the funny thing is Tiger was never known as a come from behind guy. Right. And he really never did it. So like you were hoping it well, if Tiger just goes two more birdies and he double bogeys this hole, but that never happened. JT has done it like multiple times, man. Yeah. He just it's like he just says fuck it and just starts Take, he becomes a little more riskier, starts trying to throw darts at pins, and just does it. It's crazy. Ant is sticking up Phil's ass. He did it with his own caddy. Bones. Have some of this. Boing. <laughs> Put a load right on Phil's back. How about that? All righty. I'm sticking We're with back. my theme here. I'm sticking, I'm sticking with the theme. It's oh. a different podcast. Oh. <sighs> but it was a great tournament, a lot of fun, and great a great ending. Happy ending. Um, just like that. I can't help myself. Stop, stop. There's something stop. wrong with me, dude. The innuendos. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. NBA playoffs. Um, uh, let's start out west because, to me, this is kind of already over, even though it's not over. Golden State jumps out to a 3-0 lead. Dallas did win. They don't have a chance to win in a series, right? I don't think so. I don't think uh, so either. A chance, yes, obviously, but I don't see more than ten percent chance. They got to win. They got. I don't know. I mean, now what's different to me than there's so in, many guys. The Warriors, you got to stop, man. It's like it's. It's just a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a big ask. 
it's a big ask. What's different about what's different about the Dallas situation compared to like Boston, Miami? What's going on in the East is that this was a big step for Dallas. Um, they got you have to remember they got rid of Porzingis. They made the trade for Porzingis and brought in Dinwiddie and a couple other guys, and they became. Um, they basically built their team so that guys aren't getting in the way of Luka Doncic anymore and he can be a facilitator with shooters and stuff like that. If you look at their last couple of years with Luka, they're kind of like first round fun team to watch, but you get out of the, you're out of the, you're out of the playoffs. And here they are, you know, they upset Phoenix, you know, and and yeah. they've made a big step. You very rarely see teams go from like you know, just making a playoffs to championship. There's a progression. Yeah. You know, your team it's grows. You make you, you think you got a better team. You're like, okay, we need this and this. You have a superstar on your team. If they're capable of bringing in, like, I don't know. They're, I feel like they're, like, one guy, like, big guy. You know, uh, I'm just throwing names out there. Like, if it was an Embiid or if it was, like... Just a guy, or even like um, the dude. Does it have to be from, that big of a guy? Can no, like, like a guy that? from Portland. Um, uh, I'm I, I drawing a blank on his name. McCollum? No, the shooting guard from Portland. Damian Lillard. Uh, Damian Lillard. Like if you brought in a Damian Lillard, uh, I just think they're uh, one I, one I'm more main fits. guy. No, no, I'm just saying. Like you need one more. You need one more like Superman. You, you just you can't like if your second best guy is Dinwiddie. You're not well. Well, they like they, like they like Brunson, but he's not like. But I just don't think he's that guy. I don't either. How about a like? We'll um, have to investigate in the off season because the funny thing about the NBA is their off season like happens Bradley quick. Field. Absolutely, absolutely. No, that's actually not a bad one. Although he's always said he doesn't want to leave Washington, but sooner or later is, everybody has a breaking is, point. Which is weird. That yeah, wouldn't be that wouldn't too. be a bad one. You'd probably have to part ways with Brunson and, and probably Dinwiddie too, but. Um, yeah. The, the the great thing about the NBA offseason is that they don't waste any time. You know, the NFL draft happens months after the Super Bowl. The NBA finals will end, and, like, free agency starts five minutes later, and then, like, the draft is five minutes after that, and, like, they don't waste anything. They get right to it. So it's nope. there, there's, like, a lot of time for – there's time for us to get into those kind of situations. And what's weird is I think they have the draft before or after free agency. It's a little odd. It's like, well, wouldn't you want to be able to do one before the other yeah. so that you know what the hell you want to draft? I think it's like – I think free agency actually starts after the draft. It's like, well, wouldn't you want to kind of know what you were able to pick up in free agency before you had to go draft somebody? But Yeah, that is, that is strange. It's become such a positionless league that that might not matter anymore. But the more interesting story has been uh, Boston and Miami. I want to ask you this. When that series started, try to put yourself uh, – you know, Boston's leading the series three games to two right now. Um, but before that series started, where were you on what you thought was going to happen? Well, I thought Miami because I, I think a couple weeks ago you asked me what I thought finals-wise. I said Miami, Golden okay. State. Um, so you thought Miami – I mean, they were the one seed. I didn't think I didn't think Boston was going to be able to help out Tatum as right. much. Um, their center was hurt. Horford's 100. Correct. Sometimes Marcus Horford Smart thinks is he's playing so good. I know. Oh my sometimes, God. sometimes Marcus Smart thinks he's Scottie Pippen, uh, yeah. which he gets out of his it's mind. A good call, by the way, comparing um, Scottie Pippen. Yeah. Um. So I didn't think that. And listen, rookie head coach, he's been phenomenal. Yep. Against so a has, seasoned veteran coach, championship so Brett, coach, and so has Brad Stevens in the front office. Obviously, that was a good move all the way around. We were unsure how that was going to work out. You're right. And um. 
Yeah, I just didn't think they'd have enough. And I, and yeah. I thought that Jimmy Butler, he'd experienced bullshit. Yeah, you know, would, would get over the top, but they've just been banged up. Every game they're losing a guy. Yeah, oh, no, absolutely. Jimmy Butler's banged up. Uh, who, who's the Kyle Hero? Kyle Hero didn't even play. Um, yeah, it's, oh, it's been interesting. Man. What's fascinating to me, because I think actually, as you look at the series, is how it's played out. Boston has dominated the series way more than the, the win loss record is in the series right now. They're up three games to two. But if you look quarter by quarter, I think they might have lost one quarter last night. I didn't get a chance to look it up. Yeah. But they won. Second, they, second quarter or something they, like that. But maybe? they dominated. Before that quarter, in, in four games, they lost two quarters. But they lost those two quarters by like 20. And that's why they lost the game. And every other quarter, they've won. So, like, they're dominating. 90% of the time. Now, the 10% they're getting smashed so bad. That's the only reason this is a, a 3-2 or else it would have been more or less over. Maybe it'd be probably maybe a 4-1 series at this point, you know, done. Um, yeah. But that's why, to me, like, I actually liked Boston as a bet last night because I'm like, listen, you can look at the series and say it's tied 2-2 or you can look at this and say there's been so what four games that means uh 16 quarters out of 16 quarters Miami had before last night 16 quarters Miami had only won two of them like literally had only won two that's of them that's crazy that's and a good stat i know that's that's not one game that's not two games that's that's a pretty decent sample size to say you're getting dominated now those two quarters what i'm saying in those two quarters i think they they won both of them by 20 plus points which is fucking crazy yeah. and yeah. that's why they won those games but that's why I like Boston last night, and I think they're going to win this series because that what that is saying to me is dominance. Like, yeah, we have these little uh, fallbacks, you know, where we lose a little intensity or we're just not hitting shots. Lulls. Little lulls. But for the most part, we are dominating regularly. And that's why I think, you know, at this point, and I thought last night they'd win, and I think they're going to win the series. It might be on top of what you just said. The injuries are just like – the dominoes are falling one by one, like toy soldiers just getting knocked down yeah, one by one. Fixed. You know, Jimmy Butler. With if Jimmy Butler isn't at at full strength, they're what's your second guy? You know what I mean? Who's your next guy? So yeah, it's supposed to be Bam, but Bam's been shitty too. So and and he's not like what I would call like a dominant offensive player, and that's why that's where they're really struggling. No, but he cleans shit up and he, man, he gets. No, he's fantastic. Home, but like. He's fantastic. We talked overrated, underrated in football. He may be underrated as an NBA basketball player. Like he's Agreed. he's a great rim protector and re rebounder defender. He's limited on the offensive end. Like if you need a basket now, it's you're ask, I think you're asking a little bit much in the playoffs of him. Maybe he develops into that. We've seen guys develop into that. Giannis developed into that. He wasn't always that kind of player. So, but he's similar to that like long, lean, athletic just arms everywhere. You know what I mean? Just he's like on those long arm. Giannis is similar, like long arms. Like you just like what does he have? Four arms? Like there's always something shit in the way. It's like <laughs> Jesus Christ with this fucking guy. So, um, and oh. I think I think an inch, I think it's a really fascinating uh, finals if it is Boston Golden State because you have like the defensive prowess, team oriented, team driven kind of look of Boston, and then you have the superstar kind of offensive three point bombs away of Golden State. It'll be interesting to see how that goes, if if that ends up being what it is. Yeah, agreed. Do you think um, there's so many blowouts in the, in this playoffs, and it feels like every other game is it the three point shot? Like if it's if because 
What was Miami? Nine for 40-something? You're seeing a three? Like some, well, what's like, interesting about what you're saying is the three-point shot... The, the three-point shot makes you feel like you're never out of a game. Like, if I make three in a row and you miss, you you go, you blank out for three straight possessions, you could have been up by a dozen, and now you're only up by three. And, like, that could happen in three three possessions very easily yeah. because yeah. Be, because the three is so valuable. But let's be real. I mean, it's like a 30-foot shot. It's very easy to go cold. This is the problem with analytics, right? Because it's an aggregate. It's looking over a long period of time and say, well, you should be shooting a lot of threes. Yeah, but if I'm cold as ice right now, I'm up by 12. There's six minutes left in the game. Maybe threes aren't the best thing to do. Just get baskets to keep them. Even if they're getting threes, if we're getting twos and they're getting threes, they're not going to catch up fast enough. Correct. So I think that's what's interesting about that is you feel like you're never actually out of a game. But what I do see, I mean, Spolstra kind of did this the other night. Golden State certainly did this against Dallas. You get down to a certain point, and you're just like, eh, we're not going to win this one, especially on the road. You'll see yeah. this on the road. Like, you're down by 15. You're, well, 15 might be a little short, but if you're down by 18, 20 points, and there's under 10 minutes left in a game, you're just like, nope, we're good. We're going to save We're gonna save our legs. We're going to save ourselves from injury, and we'll live to fight another day. I think that's more what's going on than, like, I think maybe teams are falling behind by 20 because of the three. But, but I feel like it's, hap- it, it's yeah, happening earlier go- more often. Than- yeah, you go cold, and the next thing you know, it went from a six-point game to a 20-point game, and you're like, why? Well, because you could have taken a layup, and instead you took you seven straight out. threes yeah. and missed them all, you know? So, yep. Yep. Um, yeah, that might have something to do with it. So It just feels different. It just feels like it's not – I tell you, I've been watching more hockey than basketball. I just can't get into the basketball. First of all, hockey to me, hockey playoffs, it's tremendous. Might be one of the best watches on television. Oh, I mean, no doubt. First of all, it's I am absolutely convinced playoff hockey is the best watch in person. You can feel. I mean, you can literally feel it in your body. The intensity, like even in basketball, even in football. Early in a football game, a playoff game, like, all right, there's like the first five or six minutes of an NFL playoff game that there's just like guys' heads are just getting knocked off, right? (laughs) Like the hitting is just like, holy shit. But the game then kind of settles for like your second and, you know, second, third quarter. And then the fourth quarter, the intensity picks up again. And you as a fan, even at home, you start to like, because it's coming to an end. Uh, NBA playoffs, kind of the same thing. Like the game start off hot and heavy, and then it kind of settles into its rhythm, and then you have your last five minutes that are always, if it's a close yeah. game, are just it's awesome. Like playoff basketball, the score is less than t- you know the lead is less than ten, five minutes left. It's a fun watch, man. It just is because you can just see these guys like taking it to their max level. To me, what I see hockey playoffs, that shit starts hot, stays hot, finishes hot. Like, it's just there's an intensity level. It gets to yep. 10, immediately stays there till the game's over. I mean, that's yeah. just how it feels. And I think that may have a little something to do with, like, score, scoring is low. You know, like, even if you got four goals, which is a lot, it's not a lot compared to basketball, football, 35-point score. Like, it's scoring is at such a premium, and defense matters so much, in a, so much more in a pledge. You don't want to give up a single goal. I think that's why. Maybe it's kind of like a World Cup soccer thing, but soccer's just so spread out. Hockey's in such a confined area. You know, you do anything not to give up a goal. If you get one, it's like, oh, like you just, 
you know, you score one basket in in, in the NBA playoffs, you're like, nice, it's good. You know, you're like, all right, you get one touchdown in football, you're like, yeah, yeah, let's go. You get one goal in hockey. You know, you're a Ranger fan, and 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 you score a goal. You're like, oh, oh my god, we might win this one. Like, yeah, if you're leading one that, nothing, that could be enough. Oh, be enough. and and often is right. So many times yeah. it is. So, I totally agree with you. NHL hockey playoffs is just, I think, second to none as a as a watch. And most people don't take the time to give it a shot. It's worth yeah. it. For those listening yeah. to us, it's worth it. Before we finish up, you wanted to talk about Josh Johnson. I, I just wanted to point out a couple things. Number one, um, I want to thank everybody. Our draft podcast and our post-draft podcast were two of the most listened to, number one, and most talked about, number two. We had some comments from people on the post, specifically more on the post, because you know now you know what happened, so you make your comments, and we talked about it. Um, but those two particular podcasts drew a huge audience for us, and I just wanted to say thank you for that. And in the meantime, also remind you of our giveaway. Um, if you are if you subscribe to the BNR Clips YouTube channel, if you subscribe to the podcast, whether it be on Spotify or Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts, and then you leave a comment. You can leave a comment anywhere. Leave a comment on YouTube. You leave a comment on Facebook. On the Facebook page, uh, Bump and Run Sports Podcast, leave a comment on Instagram, uh, Bump and Run Cast. If you leave a comment on, uh, where else could you leave a comment? What the hell is it? You know, any of those spots. Leave us a comment. Your name goes into a drawing and you can win a t-shirt of your favorite football team. And we'll get the Bump and Run logo on there somewhere. Yeah, Richie D. Get on it, bro. Leave get on it, Richie. Come on. You want that Steelers shirt, bro. And Come if on. you really have some balls, you'll go on the Anchor app. And leave us a voice message that we might be able to use on the show. And if you do that, you get five entries to the contest. Okay? Free t-shirt. You got nothing to lose. So just leave us a comment, either by by written or especially by voicemail, and uh, we'll, we'll use that, and you'll, you'll get into the contest. You wanted to talk a little bit about Josh Danielson before we wrap this puppy up. Yeah, I want to get your thoughts on this. Tell us uh, what happened last, first. Tell everybody week, what happened. Yeah. Last, uh, two, uh, I guess it was two weeks ago now. The Yankees were in Chicago. And uh, Donaldson had a a hard tag on the Anderson at third base. Tim Anderson shorts up with the White Sox. Josh Donaldson, third baseman slash DH of the Yankees. Um, Anderson's a little bit of a showboat. Donaldson's a little bit of a dick. Whatever this will happen, we have nothing. We don't Great know combination. About it. Yeah, <laughs> you don't know anything about it. That the following weekend, the White Sox come to New York. Um, something happens again. They start drawing at each other. Benches come out. I love when the bullpens come out. They can run out for 300 feet like they're going to do something. And they'll do nothing. It's it's the greatest thing. (laughs) They take their time, though, so that that when they get there, it's over. They they got to take the jackets off. So they're bitching back and forth. After the game, they ask what's going on. Anderson says, well, they called me Jackie, Jackie Robinson. So they go over to Donaldson and go, well, you call him Jackie Robinson. Isn't that racist? He goes, no. He called himself Jackie Robinson. In 2019... Tim Anderson, stupidly enough, says, I feel like I'm the modern-day Jackie Robinson, bro. Why did he say that? I have no idea because he faced nothing what Jackie Robinson faced. Oh, because he's saying, like, because of what, fan comments or – I don't know if he meant that. He never never said why he said that? No. Oh, Jesus. You can't do that, dude. So It's like saying I feel like the modern-day Jesus. You just don't go there. 
Dude, you don't go. There. You just leave that alone. You're not now, walking on water. Josh, Josh playing with a fine line as well. Probably should have went there as well, but I don't think it was. Yeah, a Yeah, but you comment. only yeah you only say that because it's a, he's a white player and it's a black a, a black I player do. that you're talking but about. Are, but you brought but it on yourself. Else, but everyone else is afraid to go there now. Yeah, well, he, that's unfair. I'm sorry, but that's unfair. I mean, he brought it on himself because what you're saying is okay, Jackie. Like. You're not making it a racial thing. You're making it like no. you're not him, dude. You tried to compare yourself to that guy. Like, so don't I look do at that. Like, he could he could have called himself Babe Ruth, Joshua and you would have called like, him Babe. Babe. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's how I look exactly. at it. But and then you know the one thing that I don't like. I didn't. Don't I didn't fully understand the story either. Yeah. And what's funny is you know working back at Elmwood Park High School, um, I'm tr I'm trying to think who's that secretary. Miss um, Miss Car Cardone, yeah. yeah Miss yeah. Cardone used to call people Jackie. Instead of calling you a jackass, she would call you Jackie. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe somebody else does that. Maybe other people, instead of saying jackass, they just say, "Hey, Jackie." Like that's really what she what she used to do. You know, she didn't want yeah. to curse in school. She was she would call you a Jackie instead of a jackass. So I'm like, well, maybe he's just trying to say you're a jackass. I really didn't know the whole story behind it. That's why I was yeah asking so, about it. And I'm wondering what the hell's going on. Yeah. So. The thing I don't love about it, and I know, like I said, everyone's afraid to jump on this rope here now. Nobody defended him. Boone kind of said something. Judge kind of said something. See, I'm sorry. We're in a very dangerous place. I know. Because here's why it's dangerous. That's not racism. It's not even – it's barely even racial. And here's why. The guy said it himself. Correct. And you made your point about if he called himself Pete Rose, you would call, okay, Pete. Yeah. But because yeah. he mentioned himself as a black all-time great special player, you can't say that back to him busting his balls? Right. It's not like – and here's why it's dangerous. Here's why it's really dangerous to call it racism because it's not. But here's why it's dangerous. It diminishes and degrades actual racism. So what happens is if everything is racism, then you, down, you have now downgraded and diminished the negative value of true racism. Okay, so we know, we've seen, I can't think of off the top of my head, specific situations where uh, players have been called, you know, some of the yeah. worst things possible, whether it be by fans, other players. We've seen stuff with John Gruden that might have gone on in emails. That, that wide like, receiver, that wide receiver from the Eagles, Cooper, said something. Right. Yeah. So when you see that, you're like, that needs to be squashed immediately. Okay? Yeah. When you then call this racism or when you talk about anything that may have something to do with color or race, and we're going to call that racism, it's wrong because it takes away from when it's real. Because yeah. then people start to get desensitized to the word racism, and this is what's going on. This is a, we can we can get into a political discussion that this would be based on as well, because our politicians have ruined ruined the word racism because it, it does exist. Okay, it certainly exists. But it, the word should not be used in a situation that is incorrect. And it is incorrect here. It, it, it had nothing to do with the race. It had to do with you comparing yourself to an all-time great absurdly. Okay? Yeah. So yeah. Um, it's like me saying I'm like the new LeBron James. And then you going, okay, LeBron. Like, obviously you're not. So um, that's the shame of it. That's where the danger becomes. We don't want people getting desensitized to the idea and the word of real racism because it does exist and it needs to be it needs to be eliminated and terminated every every 
tur every turn that you have. Anytime yeah. you see it, that needs to be stopped. But you can't do that if if you're gonna, you know, you're gonna call anything that comes up racism, especially when it's not. You can't do that. That's what I don't like. You know, I work with um, at-risk students at my school, and I have a number of minority students. Some of them um, Hispanics, some of them African American. We run the gamut. And I've seen some of the things that they deal with from time to time, and it's not pretty. Um, but you don't yeah. want to make it be that when it's not. Right. Because then they become victims. They, be, they go into like a victim mentality, and you can't, it's really hard to be successful when you're in a victim mentality. It should be pointed out when it's real, and it should be squashed when it's real, but it shouldn't be called that when it's not. And this, to me, Going off of what you told me, because it's all I have to go off of, that's not racism. I'm sorry. It's barely racial. It's barely racial, so I don't like that. But yep. hopefully that um, that comes to an end. I forgot something before that I just wanted to bring up, um, because I actually thought it was incredibly entertaining this past week. The, the whole battle brewing between Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban. You know, Nick Saban comes out and he makes a comment basically saying that Texas A&M bought all their players this year. Now, uh, his defense was that I'm not saying they broke any rules and I'm not saying they did anything illegal, but they offered basically what he was saying is Texas A&M and their boosters, you know, backed up the Brinks truck are and doing just, the right thing. Yeah. Or did, uh, yeah. did what was in the rules to buy, basically buy players. Like we're going to pay off players to come in here and Oh my God, God forbid Texas A&M had a better, the number one recruiting class and Alabama for the first time in like 20 years didn't have the number one recruiting class. I think right. this is what, now, if you ask me, I actually thought what Nick Saban was trying to do was say to his boosters, listen, this is what's going on. You're going to need to do something similar. Like if this is, if this is what the landscape is now. And we want to continue to compete at a high level. You're gonna have yeah. to. You're gonna Keep have to. Or, we're gonna have to do yeah. something similar. I, I didn't. Agree. I didn't really take it as he was. Well, a little bit. I didn't like his no, wording was said, pretty shitty. Yeah, he, that's what it is. The wording was bad. The wording of they bought was pretty shitty. What he could have very easily done is they're taking full advantage of the NIL rules, and I feel like maybe we're not. Um, that would have been much safer. Well, oh my goodness, did Jimbo? <laughs> oh, Jimbo Fisher took quite offense. <laughs> And he did not hold back. I wish I had the audio here. Holy shit. He went off on um, on I'm Nick Saban, uh, basically saying, like, you know, you know, he, suddenly he doesn't like the way the rules are. I, I, we broke no rules. We did exactly what we were allowed to. You want to, you want to know about that guy? I don't even think he mentioned his name. You want to hear about some people? Go look into his background. Go look into their background. Go see some of the things that they Ask were doing. Ask every assistant coach he had. Yeah. Ask, I mean, he called him to the carpet and was like, this guy's – basically, he said, this guy's been cheating for years. All you have to do is Google it. That's pretty much real. All you have to do is Google it, and you'll find out. So I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear this. You're calling my integrity out. You're calling my. I don't. I got no reason. I'm not a liar. I'm not a cheater. Yeah. All that stuff. Oh, dude. What did you when you heard that earlier this week? I mean, Dan Patrick and and Rich Eisen had just so much fun with that. What did you think when you heard that? It, it, it was kind of cool to see someone go up ahead with Saban because it doesn't happen often. I think Jimbo kind of like got a little bit weird quick. Yeah, he got hot quick. When you get that defensive quick. that quick, it does make yeah. it sound like you were doing a little something. You yeah. did buy your players, but. Um, but then, you know, Saban backed off. He apologized that I should have used, you know, better termination. I wasn't going after Jimbo personally. But yeah, 
It's too late. Can't yeah. wait for that game. You cannot put the toothpaste back in the <laughs> yeah. tube now, coach. You know what's interesting about that is like Texas. Other than LSU, uh, Texas, Texas A and M, at least in recent history, is kind of the only other team that really has competed. They don't Auburn. beat them. They don't beat them often. Yeah, I guess Auburn sometimes. But they often Texas A and M always competes with Alabama. They don't always beat them. In fact, they don't often beat them. But they, you know, you even go back to Johnny Manziel, which is before Jimbo was there. Um, you know, he beat you know Texas A and M beat Alabama at that point. I'll never forget it. I was at Piccadilly's eating hot wings, and I'm like, am I watching this right? <laughs> like, I think they were like twenty point underdogs and winning that game. Texas A and M is one of the few teams that has competed with them regularly. I know Florida here and there. Like you said, Auburn here and there, but like LSU, kind of regularly, and and yeah. uh, Texas A&M kind of regularly. So it'll be it'll be fascinating to see, you know, because listen, there's oil money in Texas, and if anybody in this country has resources, it's like LA with USC. So we'll see what your boy does out there, at Miami, New York, and then like Texas with oil money. Forget about it. Like Alabama is not exactly riddled with cash. <laughs> you know, so it'll be interesting to see how NIL. Now, I have some feelings on NIL that I'm still gathering and kind of putting together. Yeah, we'll we'll, ta- we'll talk road. about it in the future, um, maybe maybe soon. But it's hard to even look at these guys and say you're doing anything illegal anymore when it's just a fucking free for all, man. It's amazing. It's just amazing. It's amazing. I think it will settle at some point because, you know, sooner or later you're going to pay a guy. You're going to give a kid coming out of high school a million five, and he's not even going to be a starter. Yeah. And you're going to be like, shit. It's bound to happen. These are contracts. These are contracts. It is is bound to happen. Absolutely. So, all right, 67 in the books. Is it 67? I got one name for you. Just one. I got Taj Gibson. Not a great number, Coach. Woo, I'm, I'm, tough I'm, I'm, one. Uh, tough I'm reaching here. here. <laughs> Kurt Nix forward, and that's it. That's I'll see you next it. week. Say goodnight. Um, I have some news of the day. This is interesting to me. I'm sure you've come across like people who who have said to you, or you've heard them, or you just get the sense that they're the kind of people that you know they tend to typically be like animal lovers, and they'll say to you like, "Shit, I'd rather be around. I'd rather be around my dog than to be around more people. Like I'd save my yeah. dog ten years, ten times over before I'd save certain people, right?" Well, I don't know if you know, there's been some wildfires out in New Mexico, parts of California, that kind of area. And um, firefighters rescued this elk that was just found, like, pretty much this baby elk that was... I wish you could see the picture that I'm looking at. It looks like goddamn Bambi. I'm not even kidding. It's got the white dots on the side and everything. I guess maybe Bambi was an elk and not a deer, but this elk has this little, these little white spots, and he's just laying in the ash. And these firefighters saved this abandoned newborn elk calf that was just found in the ashes, and they named the elk Cinder. I was like, oh, you know, I always tell you like these goofy stories of somebody getting something caught up their asshole or, you know, some other bullshit that's going on that I can't even believe happened. And I'm like, you know what? I like animals too. And they saved Bambi and called him Cinder, which makes a lot of sense. So. Yeah, it's a very nice story. Great story, right? Feel-good story. Everybody enjoy it. Hey, happy Memorial Day weekend, everybody. Be safe. Yeah, don't drink too much. Drink some, but don't drink too much. Thank our yeah. troops and uh, have a beer and everyone relax and uh, enjoy Absolutely. some time off. Love it all. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Right, I got the, got the flag on here somewhere. So. I like it. I like it. For Scott Bracey, I'm Pete Colasano. You've been listening to Bump and Run. We'll catch you guys next week. Later. Yep, there it was.